This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Harut Markarian, and this is Mobility and Inclusion the show where we share the powerful stories of people with disabilities and daring entrepreneurs making waves in our world. From technological innovations to best practices in business, we'll learn what it really means to live in an inclusive and universally designed environment. Welcome to a new episode of Mobility and Inclusion. I am your host, Harut Markarian, and my special guest today is the impactful educator, Gary Rockus. Gary dedicated his 40-year career to helping students develop careers and technical skills and knowledge. He's the author of a number of articles for Technical Education Magazine. Gary believes that the key to learning is using simple applications of science and technology. Because of that, hundreds of teachers have used his books to train thousands of students throughout the United States in the fundamentals of technology. Gary has been writing about the use of technology in homes since 1976. He believes that smart devices make your life better and that only you can choose the devices that best works, uh, work for your situation and lifestyle. His latest book, Your Smart Home Voyage, takes you through a virtual home room by room, by room with the idea of making your home safer, more energy efficient, comfortable, and convenient. And without further ado, Gary, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. That was a lengthy and uh, appreciative uh, in- introduction. Thank you. I very hope much. I did you justice with that. Well, I think you did a wonderful job. <laughs> All right, cool. So, you know, you've been you've been focusing on this technology since 1976. So, you know, what made you really focus on this particular topic? Well, I was uh, very fortunate growing up in a town of 500 to have a science teacher who was really into the Sputnik and rocket thing. And he brought us a couple experimental rockets to class when I was in about fifth grade. And I just went wild. I just loved it. And I was able to pursue that. I met Warner Von Braun. I got involved with rocket clubs. I uh, launched rockets and I was going to be an aeronautical engineer but ended up going into the technology education space and uh, have just absolutely enjoyed it ever since. That's awesome. It's uh, one thing actually, when we first met, one thing that really attracted me to you more is you said something along the lines of, you know, being in technology and actually using technology uh, or studying technology versus using technology is two different things, right? A lot of people study technology and study the sciences, but you find very rare people that can apply what they've studied. What's your experience with that? Well, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I was my best student and my worst student in that, uh, in my industrial technology, I loved everything I did, but I had, and I was straight A's pretty much through every course, except for two courses, electricity and electronics. And that's my specialty now. And what I found out 
back then is that my instructor, a good instructor, great guy, uh, but he taught engineering. He taught how the device was to be constructed and designed. When I started teaching with the kids, they went, hey, you know, I'm putting a Heath kit together back then. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm going like, whoa, wait a minute. That, that's applications, that's fun. Uh, now you can put technology behind it and you explain Ohm's law and those kind of things when you're doing application. And then it was further reinforced uh, several years ago, I had dinner with Bill Nye, the science guy, and over at Illinois State University after he did a spellbounding uh, demonstration to 800 kids in an auditorium. And they were dead silent until they went, <gasps> and they saw this. And so I asked him afterwards, I said, Bill, I said, uh, you know, how do you present? What, what's your technique? He said, well, I pretty much look for the third grade level and try to do applications. He said, but interestingly enough, about 80% of my audience are also adults <laughs> who just want to understand what's going on. So I told him what I did and my philosophy is I always taught to the C student and I used applications and visualization to put them in a situation where they understood what they knew. And then I took them to where I want them to be. Yeah. And that has been very successful for me in all my writings. And uh, so I've stuck with it. Yeah, yeah that, that resonates with me a lot because um, I was a professional basketball player in my past life. So at that time when I was going to school, you know, I wasn't a very good student if you looked at my grades, right? But once that went out of, out of sight, the basketball was no longer a factor. And when I dove deeper into my um, educational career, uh, I always found the best, I, I always got the best grades when I actually got involved in applying theoretical knowledge to applicable technology, right? Applying theory to, uh, to action, to function. And then that was always, I always understood better and I got better grades. So, um, and you know, professors like you are not easy to find, speaking from personal experience. Uh, there are only maybe two or three professors, and I went to school for a long period of time. Uh, I have a bachelor's and two masters, so um, I, you know, I cannot thank you enough for the way you're te you, you're teaching and you taught in previously. Well, I appreciate that, I, and I, <coughs> I do not consider myself to be a professor. Uh, I tell people I got a BS degree, and I've used it very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, you know, you don't, I guess, well, educator would, uh, would be a better uh, maybe description for what, what you did. And I know you uh, mentioned that in your, in your, in your biography, right? Uh, and I think that's, uh, I'm a self-educator and I like to be able to pass it on. <clears throat> and again, in simple terms, I don't know exactly when that came about, but uh, I find that if you go and sit down and a lot of times what I would do at write things like on my first book was on residential wiring when there wasn't anything out there that was really good. So I'd write draw pictures and I'd give it to a neighbor who knew nothing about it. And I did that with my students, I would put material and even when I finished books, I would take them in and let them go through it because I wanted them to tell me what they didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. There's always a story. I know what I'm talking about. But if you don't understand it, it's, 
and I don't know if this is technically correct, but I say it's like winking at a girl in the dark. It really doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something I, I struggled with earlier too, because uh, I always, when I understood it, I could speak to it, but it's not necessary that other people also understood it. And that we were doing this exercise in class one day, and I went up there and I thought I did a very good job in explaining this uh, graph or chart, uh, whatever I was talking about, I forgot, it was a long time ago. And then I turned to the class and they were all like had dead expression. I was like, I was really clear. How did you guys not get that, you know? And to your point, you know, you know what you're talking about and you understand it, but it's not necessary that the important thing is for other people to understand what you're talking about. And that's a whole different game. Yeah. And you also have to respect your, your class and the person that raises their hand. I remember uh, at each grading period, I allowed them to grade me. The two things they can't use were swear words and no tests. <laughs> uh, but other than that, they were open. And one I thought was really unique. I had prepared all this material and said, when you're finished, have your superior check it off. Mm -hmm. And after the second semester, I had one kid wrote, well, I'm not sure you're my superior. And I thought, you know what, that's quite possible. So I changed it to supervisor. <laughs> and and it, it just made a little difference. And that kid was just tickled to death. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Now, now he runs his own software company, you know, that's so he probably was superior <laughs> <laughs> uh, no that's that's great you're right and you have to respect your audience you have to respect your class your, your student for sure uh, and there's a lot to be said about that but uh, as you know i am the founder of a startup called markbotics and we focus on you know uh, providing additional level of independence through uh, robotic technologies and so mobility and inclusion the podcast was create, created to uh, add value through information to people's lives, right? Letting them live more independent at a higher quality of life. So, and when I when I saw your work throughout the years and then your book, uh, I'm like, this is something that a lot of people with disabilities can benefit from. And I know you have some experience with working with people with disabilities. Why don't you tell us about that a little? Well, there's been several situations. I, I think I mentioned to you when we were talking one other time that uh, early on, I was, because I did vocational schools and vocational education, I had to design a laboratory with a wood shop for the deaf. Mm -hmm. And what is notorious in a wood shop is to have a spinning blade that the only way you can really tell is not visually, is but audibly. Yeah. So if somebody walks up to a table saw and they inadvertently touch it, they're gonna cut a finger off. Mm -hmm. So I designed this before electronics was solid state, pneumatic timers that when the device was off, there was a green light. When they pushed the button, it was a red light. And then I timed each motor until the device actually stopped. So when they shut it off, it would coast to a stop and they would know it was okay. So uh, I've always taken and looked at not only the technology for what's good, but what I did in my book, and I'll, I'm gonna pitch that a little bit, but uh, it's very difficult just reading something for a lot of people to comprehend it. Uh, 
So what I did here is I took and I used a lot of animation. I used a lot of graphics. I used a lot of pinpoint and then focus. And to get people started and excited about the book, uh, are you you're familiar with QR codes, right? Of course. And uh, most people are when they go to a grocery store. It's zing, zing. <laughs> There's a lot of information being processed. So you can use your phone now. A lot of people don't know that to read those codes. So <clears throat> what I did is I had my publisher take the animation I did on a smart bedroom, a smart kitchen, a smart living room, and I put that animation behind the QR code. So in the first chapter or two, when I'm talking about a smart bedroom, I said, let's go take a tour. You can see it on my website, GaryRockus.com. Not hard to figure out. <laughs> and, uh, and then you just go in and uh, there you can click on a button. But when you have the book, you can put your QR code there. You can actually go in your bedroom and kind of look around and go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Example being with a special population, let's say your child is deaf or blind, we can use a combination of lights to signify like a blue light would be an intruder, a red light would be a fire. We can use alarms, That's those are kind of typical, but then we could tie it into a vibrating pillow so that if they're sound asleep, they're obviously not gonna hear it, they're not gonna see the light, but it's a vibrating pillow, wakes them up, they see the light, they know what to do. Very simple, but very effective, and it can save a life. Absolutely. So you, you said something very, uh, very important. Technology does not need to be complicated, right? There are right. simple things that we can do that adds an, an exponential amount of importance uh, in our lives. Um, and that's something I try to... I try to convey to people, you know, when, when, when we mentioned the word robotics, for example, because, you know, since the company I have is robotics company, it's like robotics is not, doesn't have to be something very complex. We can do very simple things that can be very effective to a lot of people. And that's something I resonated with when you, when you were talking and another thing you mentioned, so you mentioned vibrating pillows. Have you done any studies uh, about, you know, equipping these uh, rooms and pillows and whatever other stuff that are in the bedroom? Uh, the studies between the, te the, the technology that you put in that room and the health risk risks that may or may not be there. Are there any studies there? Well, the only one I've done a little bit on, <clears throat> and again, it's still controversial, uh, there's two areas where people are still kind of freaking out a little bit, and you have to base it on government information, which <laughs> there already starts a little bit of concern, <laughs> but uh, it's the radiation from a cell phone mm -hmm. and that from a smart meter. Yeah. Now, I do point out what the quality of the output is, so to speak, and quite honestly, a lot of it is very, very low. And a lot depends on what you do with it. You know, for people are right up to their ear, you're going to have the highest volume. I personally, most of the time, as long as the connection is good, I use uh, speakerphone. Yeah, yeah. If it's bad, then I'll put it up there. And when you're in a home, if that meter is facing out, you got a brick wall. Uh, chances are those items are not going to affect you. Mm -hmm. So again, 
I think before people judge something, they have to evaluate in context of where they're at and what's yeah. going on. Absolutely. And that's true for technology. And one of the things that I do in the book is I try to bring, just like when you're talking about robotics, there's terms that people feel uncomfortable with. And I said, the, the biggest word I think in my book is interoperability, which means that they can talk to each other. The other big word I know is delicatessen. And coming from a small town, I didn't know what that was until I was experiencing it a couple of times. And now I have a pretty good idea what a delicatessen is. And if you read my book, you'll have a pretty good idea what interoperability is because I use it and I show you that the device has to have the same language and it has to be on basically the same telephone line. So, uh, you know, you do that with your cell phone, the computer does it internally, but you have to make your devices connect to each other. Yeah. So again, uh, what the book does, it gives you a baseline, whether you're doing something for someone or you're trying to learn it yourself, you want to be able to talk intelligently to the people you're buying it from, the in person who may be installing it. So, you know, get your vocabulary down. It's all pictures, animation, and a nice, uh, the other thing I can tell you is 50% of the book is graphics or animation so and i tell my author or my publisher that it's a technical comic book and then they cringe a little bit so yeah. um, <laughs> no but but i love it i cannot wait to uh you know as, as you know i already bought the book i think it's coming either today or tomorrow so uh i can't wait to uh put it to use you know and it's it is something that my son would benefit from it a lot, you know. Uh, my son is, is granted he's still young, but uh, you know, I would I would think hundred percent and believe this that if I give it to him from a young age, then we when he goes to college, he wouldn't have any problem grasping these theories, basic, con basic concepts. Yeah, yeah. It's the fundamentals. If you go back to Bill Nye. He is showing you things that are aerodynamics. He's showing you things that are temperature related, but he's doing it in a way that, oh, that's neat. What does that mean? Well, it means that the goes around this way because of the way the airflow is. Mm -hmm. And now you go, oh, that was aerodynamics. Yeah. Looks to me like it was airflow, which it was. Yeah. But so again, that terminology is really important to get out of the way of you learning. Yeah. And so I make, I, anytime I use a word that I don't think somebody would know, I define it immediately. Yeah, no, that, that's very important. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that the terminology is very important. And a lot of the times these uh, big words, quote unquote, big words, uh, keeps people from really wanting to learn more about it or, or, or scares them, right? And uh, hinders them from moving forward. Yeah, and unfortunately, the reason that is, is most of the technical writing is either done by an engineer who really isn't a technical writer, mm -hmm. at least not one for the <laughs> most of the population, or it's the marketing department, which yeah. is trying to give you all kinds of ideas and things, and uh, they don't necessarily, I won't say they don't tell the truth, but they exaggerate the potential and don't tell you some of the downsides or what the other products can do for you also. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, you know, I, even though I'm an engineer and I'm gonna, you know, 
it, it, it kind of hurt a little bit <laughs> what you said. I'm just kidding. No, but no, you're right. I'm I, it against you. I, <laughs> I, no, I agree with you. It's like, yeah, engineers, most engineers should not write. I completely yeah. agree with you. <laughs> they break things uh, until it works. And I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, the other thing that I saw on your webpage, it said you're also a storyteller, which is a very important thing when you're trying to communicate to somebody, right? Yes. So and I was, a, I was a history major before I was a technology major. And I loved history. And if you look at technology, it is a history lesson because I was born basically in 1946. And that was about the same year the transistor was born. So if I follow my career and my pathways, I can see how one built on the other built on the other. Example being when CAD finally was introduced, it was able to make printed circuit boards that were smaller and more accurate, which allowed you to make better CAD systems that made the printed circuit boards better. And people learned and integrated this and all of a sudden it starts snowballing. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. You're right, that guy, I've never looked at uh, technology as be as you know being related to history. That's because maybe I hated history when I was in school. But uh, now, you know, looking back in the past two, three years, I'm researching history a lot. And I'm like, if I wasn't such a stubborn kid when I was going through school and I paid, I paid more attention to history, I would have probably not struggled as much in finding information right now, you know? Um, but um, let's go back to talking about a vibrating pillow, which I, I loved. I mean, I, I know we were talking about, you know, people with special needs, people with disabilities that, you know, there are things that they can do to, you know, facilitate their lives. Um, and, you know, the vibrating pillow can even be used for people like you and I, right? Sure. Uh, like deep sleepers. Um, and it's a great way of alarming you of something that is happening in your house. Uh, Correct. And, uh, and you can take that too. I think one of the things people miss have a misinformation on is that oh i have to buy a system and it all you know it's going to talk to me it's going to do this it's going to do that think about this most people have had a smart device for a long time well actually two of them one is your garage door opener yeah. you know it's based on an input yeah. a signal and an output mm -hmm. everything in a smart home is based on that process the only thing that gets more difficult is the process. When they start inserting the computer, then there's programming involved. So when you say, Alexa, turn on my music, it has to be programmed to go to a music station and bring that on. But a lot of things you can do, for example, if you uh, have a situation with your hands, waterless faucets don't have to be tied into a system. You can have a leak detector by your hot water heater that can give an alarm. Uh, you can have your sprinkler system outside that's automated. So look at simple things first that you can use. Now, if you think long-term, you're gonna tie it into a system, then you have to be aware of where you're going with it. Now, the good news is there's talk that a lot of the players are gonna get together. I think what happened was uh, Alexa taught people a lesson that 
okay, you can have a proprietary language, but Bezos didn't care about the language. What's he sell? He doesn't sell language, he sells products. Yeah. So anybody wants to use my language here, take it. And now other people are realizing that they're getting left out. And so I think you're gonna see a consolidation just like you did on the power cords. For a while you had 10 different power cords. Now there's a standard. Yeah. It'll take a while, but it's moving in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious when you, yeah, so you're talking about all this thing that is you know, really capturing data, right? Uh, what's your what's your position on just surrendering a lot of your data to these devices? And of course, companies are capturing this data and use sometimes using it against you, sometimes using using it for you. It depends on how you look at it. But I'm curious in knowing what, what's your stance in that. Be nice. Be a nice person. <laughs> 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 That's really funny. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's a trade-off between uh, my concern is not the companies, although uh, there's a lot of debate on where we're at with you know Facebook and some of that because it's awful personal. Mm -hmm. But on some of it, uh, you have to decide, do you want the service that's provided by monitoring your equipment? Do you want weather that uh, maybe alerts you uh, when some, you know you have to know where you're at and how to get a hold of you? So I think you know there's not a good way right now of determining that because people are circumventing it. They're doing this and that. Personally, I just try to uh, keep my Facebook and other things to, within the real simple limits. I talk with my family, for example. We don't announce that we're on vacation we talk about it after we come back we don't if we show the kids going to school not necessarily tell where the school is you know, there's certain data that you just don't want to put out there yeah 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 so, I actually, actually i think that's a very good way of putting it you know uh be mindful of the information you're putting out there that's that's what that's what we're saying basically here right right and but there's going to be things too they're kind of fun uh, you know, they're talking about the smart refrigerator, mm -hmm. which gives you a lot of advantages. You know, if you want to see at your grocery store and this and that with the camera and all that, but also don't be surprised that if you're buying Hunt's tomato ketchup, that in two weeks you might get a, a coupon for yeah. buying oh, tomato. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All that. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, my my wife my wife tells me all the time. Uh, I was just talking about this and then it, you know, it came on my phone. I'm like, yeah, of course it did. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> Seed with caution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, that's, that's awesome. You know, I can really talk to you forever, but I want to go back to the motivation behind your, your last book. Uh, you know, what was the motivation behind it? Well, interestingly enough, um, the, I've always written for training purposes. I've trained people how to install residential wiring and then put the smart home on top. But I got another book called Residential Wiring in the Smart Home, but it's in the educational market. I've written the fundamentals of, of, of solid state electronics, which is used by the unions. I've done one on motor controls. Our motor controls book has been in circulation now for over 25 years and uh, probably 800,000 copies maybe. Um, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, have gone into circulation, have trained people for American tech. It's been the, the most 
sold book they've had in 108 year history. But the interesting thing about smart manufacturing, it's very similar to smart home. When you think about it, what happened in the factory was they dropped a computer in the middle yeah. and all of a sudden everything changed because instead of doing what they call go no go gauges, you're testing your manually, all of a sudden they're putting all these sensors out there to look at the temperature, the sharpness of the blade, this, this, and this. And then that comes back, it's processed and says, oh, in two weeks, you got to sharpen this blade. Well, I was watching that while the new technology was coming about and Parks Associates does a lot of work with that. So I went to several conferences with Google and all these guys and they're talking about, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. I'm going, I know what's gonna happen. All these little silos are gonna start out and they're gonna have all these great ideas and then you guys are gonna come along and buy them up. And so I said, I'm gonna start that book now. So by the time they get where they're at, people are gonna really wanna know what the hell happened. <laughs> Yeah. So that, so I just based it on the technology of sensors, input, process, output. And you look at every device that's smart, there's some kind of input, visual, I'm not visual, but a manual, a voice, a gesture, it processes it and something gets done. The most simple one is your thermostat. It just senses temperature, turns on your furnace. So that was the motivation behind it. And because I had always been in the educational market, I thought, you know, I want to share this and make a few bucks from the public because I think it'll really go over well. Yeah. I and it's so. Christmas, so don't forget to give your mom and dad an opportunity or someone that's very special, the opportunity to tour their smart home. <laughs> very well put. I think, you know, I encourage everyone to buy this. It's a good educational piece. And also, it teaching you and adding value to your lives as we, you know, at the same time. So it's 26 um, bucks. I mean, it's, it's priced, right. It's not overpriced and uh, there's a Kindle version for nine 95. So, yeah. anyway. so no, that's, that's, that's amazing. I, I, I love it. I actually love such books uh, just because uh, it doesn't just give out information, right? It lets you do what it's taught, what the, what the book is talking about. It, yeah, it, it lets, at the end of each chapter, it asks you, what, did, what do you want in your bedroom? You know, what would make your bedroom better? What would make your kitchen better? Yep. You know, maybe you've seen a lot of these videos and that, then go back, research it, but write it down. Yeah. So when you get done, look at the whole house first, decide your priorities. And if you're gonna put a system in, make sure there's compatibility. It's really not more difficult than that. And once you understand the basic vocabulary, go out and talk to people and they're more than willing to give you that information. But let me say also that in addition to smart technology, there's a uh, living in place Institute for people that, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but uh, they're offering courses for craftsmen, but also uh, I've taken one of their classes. It's good information and they, they look at the whole home. Uh, these people have done childproofing courses. They've done things for aging in place. Uh, and they look at not only technology, we're, and we're doing some uh, cooperation, but what color do you paint the room? What color uh, is the safety? Uh, what, where do you put your railings? 
Yeah. Those kinds of things are really good. The other thing that I've been kind of fun watching is the uh, uh, tunnels to towers for the veterans. And I actually, oh my God, I was actually talking about this uh, with, with a friend of mine, but go ahead, yes, please. Well, I mean, if you get a chance to see some of their commercials, they're showing how they can open and adjust and allow access for people with height situations with, you know, uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I, I visited uh, about four or five years ago, Walgreens Distribution Center. And the, I think it was the vice president of Walgreens at the time had a, uh, a child with special needs and he saw the need. So I think it was like either 10 or 15% of the warehouse employees had to be come from that background. And they did some really very interesting things. They had adjustable stands for people who were height challenged. If someone uh, like had like ADD, uh, they went to the lunchroom because they saw people going, but they didn't know when to come back. So they put a star on the clock that says, this is your lunch is done. In autistic, they did certain things. So it's all you have to do is begin to look at what the person needs mm -hmm and then be a little creative in trying to help them reach something that will make their life better and make your surroundings better because Absolutely. you see that. Absolutely, very well put. And uh, as you're doing this, remember, you're not helping the person uh, with a disability only, you're helping everyone, you know? That small modification that you end up doing, that star thing, for example, it yeah. can be a standard for everyone, right? Everyone knows now that if the clock hits that star, that it's time to, it's time to go back, right? Mm -hmm. And we also took uh, parents and the total of four relatives of parents from poor health to death. And we, and one of them had Parkinson's and the other had uh, dementia, another had Alzheimer's. And we began to use technology, particularly in mobility. That's where I found an interest in what you were doing. And there's some really interesting robotics being used within the concept of wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So again, research out there, people are interested, people are trying to find solutions. Yeah. And a lot of them are fairly inexpensive, but really make a dramatic impact. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of wheelchair, my, uh, my thesis dissertation was actually uh, on the climbing wheelchair uh, with a you know, more innovative uh, design um, that I actually did the theory and built a functional prototype to it. So, uh, and that's, that's one thing I, I enjoyed in, in, you know, and during my master's program and, you know, for the final years of my undergrad is actually doing the work, right? Not just studying the theory, actually doing the work. But Well, Parkinson's is, is particularly devastating because you begin to forget things, uh, eventually forget how to eat, which is the final stages. But, you forget how to walk yeah. and someone was telling me well you put your foot in front and they have to step over it they understand it well we found a walker with an adjustable laser and they would be upright and the laser would move and then they would step over the laser beam yeah. so like i said there are some very very simple concepts yeah, yeah a big big difference and that's and that's what we're trying to do with 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 our startup, right? We're trying to put out there simple concepts that makes a huge difference. And I actually, you know, I'm gonna uh, offer you this uh, this position right now. I'm I'm looking for a, a strategist, technology strategist. <laughs> and I would I would love to collaborate with you when uh, when when the time is right. Absolutely, I'll be available.
Yeah. And uh, lastly, what's, uh, you know, what are you working on currently that is uh, keeping Gary Rockis uh, busy? Well, I have two projects uh, on the forefront. One of them is uh, I'm redoing the motor controls book. Uh, we're revamping that to bring in the factory of the future and also to expand our uh, understanding of sensors because it is so critical now that we can do mass data in 5G and all that and accumulate data, 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 data. <laughs> I call it uh, data smog and it's only important when you convert it into knowledge. Yeah. The other thing that we're doing is uh, my wife was a grant writer for her career, brought over $70 million into educational systems, including helping me write grants. We're launching a <clears throat> grants made simple program for educators to teach teachers who right now are spending about $750 a month, a, a, a year out of their own pocket to furnish their classroom. Wow. And we're going to show them how to write two and three thousand, five thousand dollar grants because Walmart, Panera Bread, Kmart, all of them have local dollars. Mm -hmm. And with a good proposal, they can begin to fund their classroom and bring imagination and innovation back to where it belongs. We're not going to change education. We're going to improve one child's life or one classroom at a time, like when I got my rocket. Awesome, awesome. That's, that's, that's so good. That's so good. Man, I, uh, you know, uh, I can, I can carry this conversation for hours with you, but uh, this is the end of our, 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 our time together. And I love every bit of it. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, how can people get in touch with you? And, uh, you know, uh, please give us that, that information. Well, it's, uh, they can go to my website, Gary Rockus. G-A-R-Y-R-O-C-K-I-S dot com. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's information there on how to get a hold of the book and uh, contact uh, us if you want to. And I write for American Technical Publishing. They've been a privately owned uh, publishing company for 108 years, and they have some really fantastic training material. And I'm starting to bring some of their books into the public education area, too. So. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much, Gary, for your time with us. Well, thank you. Uh, our show and this is Mobility and Inclusion. I'm Harut Markarian. I'll see you next time with a different guest. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.